Uh, Acts chapter 16, if you'll turn with me, Acts chapter 16 this evening. I want to encourage you again. Uh, I know it's 7 o'clock. I promise I'm, uh, if you'll listen fast, I'm going to talk fast, all right? So we're going to just jump right into this. Like they said, blessed is the preacher that can get airborne without much runway. We're just going to get right into this, and I hope I can encourage you tonight. I believe that if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and we talked about this this morning, and you love him, then that love is, in turn, it's going to cause you to have a passion for others to know him, regardless of their location. It's going to cause you to have a passion for people to know Jesus Christ, regardless of their race, their culture, regardless of the cost. I personally believe that we are in need of a revival and missions to accomplish this task, though. I'm thankful that your church calls this a missions revival because we've been watching a, a trend over the last few decades of more American missionaries leaving the field going into uh, than going into the field. Uh, more people leaving the ministry than going into the ministry. I know that the reasons and the excuses are many. The frustrations are high. The disappointments are great. But the need is still absolutely evident. The task is still unfinished. And, and then really, until our churches have a passion for missions... Until we have a, a global burden to see people come to know Christ, until we really have that deep belief of the horrors of hell, we fail miserably. We fail to pray, we fail to give, and most importantly, to go. And I think we've got to get beyond where we are today. We, we've got to think beyond these walls. We've got to come to the end of ourselves and allow him to take us beyond what's going on in our lives right now. And I would like to look at a challenge from God's word of what that actually looks like. So if you go to Acts chapter 16, let's start in verse number five and we'll read this together where it says, and so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. Now, when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the, re, uh, the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, after that they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. And they, passing by Mysia, came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately... We endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Now, when I look at this passage of Scripture, when I look at these verses, I mean, it, it leaps off the page to me that this is really the anomaly of missions. Whenever he uses this phrase, a vision appeared. Now, I hope you understand this was not Paul's vision. This was not something that Paul had conjured up. This was not something that Paul had just made up himself. This was not something that Paul had come up with this great outline and he had determined that he was going to do this. This was something that God ordained and put on his heart that he was to accomplish. Why else would someone want to do this unless it was God directing them in their life? Why in the world would God use missions to begin with? Uh, whenever I look at this, when Paul has this vision, it's impressed upon him the love of God for all men. And like I said, if you notice here, this is not Paul's vision. It's rather this vision appears. And it's an amazing moment where God himself really impresses on Paul's heart the need for others to hear the gospel. Paul here is learning that there are people that he had not met, that he did not know, that he was unfamiliar with, that are needing to hear the life transforming message of God's love. And while John would know about that and would write about the love of God and how he loves the world, this here, when we read this passage of Scripture, this is the moment when Paul was showed by God clearly that there was a need. 
This was the moment that God changed his heart. Uh, this was uh, the moment where God burdened him for the world. And this word here, vision, whenever I look at this, this has the idea of, uh, of something that's uh, amazing. This is something that is uh, something to be gazed at. This is a spectacle. In other words, when Paul sees this, his eyes are wide as saucers. As, as he's looking at what's going on, he's seeing this person that he has no clue who they are, but they're speaking directly to him. And he knows that it's God speaking into his life, that this is what I'm called to do. I told you this morning, the fact that I serve with medical missions outreach is an absolute miracle. I didn't go to school to study this. I never once thought that this would be my last ambition. I never thought that God would use me in this way. God clearly impressed on my heart. Bradley, this is what you were created for. And I love the opportunity that I get to do it. And just like this is what I'm called to do, like I said this morning, every single one of you, you have a calling on your life, something that you're to use your skills, your ability, your days on this earth to accomplish for God. That is the anomaly of missions to stand back and say, God, out of all the creation, out of everyone on the face of this earth, you want to use me to reach someone else with your gospel message. What an absolute spectacle it is to sit and watch that God would use us. This word vision here. The spectacle, something that he's gazing at. This was something that was to capture his attention. It was to have his focus. It was centering his direction. And I believe that spectacle that would cause God to send his only begotten son for our sins as a lost and a dying world. God, who's rich in his mercy, that would commend his love, that would give his only begotten son, would do it for all sinners, for the gluttons, the drunkards, the abusers, the liars, the thieves, the, the adulterers, the unrighteous, the least deserving. He would do it for me. That is the wonderful spectacle of missions, that God sees a world in need and he burdens our hearts to go and reach people that we've never met before, that we have never seen or known their culture the way he wants us to in going and reaching them. This word here translated uh, appeared is is much deeper than a voluntary observation here. It has the idea of something with your eyes wide open. It's something remarkable. This vision of missions is something that demands our complete attention. I believe that this is something that should cause us to be focused, something that should show us the importance of our involvement. There is a world that needs Jesus Christ. When I travel on my trips, um, from the very beginning of our trips, I prayed and I said, God, this week, would you would you burn somebody's face in my heart that I'll never forget? And I have to be honest now, it's been 16 years. And if I'm just being completely transparent, I don't remember every single one of them. But those early years, I definitely do. I have people's faces just absolutely ingrained in my heart that I'll never forget that I got to meet, that I got to hear their story that's changed my life. That helps me to remember it doesn't matter what someone's social economic status is. It doesn't matter what their skin color is. It doesn't matter what their background is. They need Jesus Christ the same that I do. Every single one of them were created in the image of our God. They deserve dignity and respect, and they absolutely deserve to hear the gospel message. This is the anomaly of missions, that God would use us to reach our fellow men with Jesus Christ's message of compassion and love and salvation. But as I continue to read this and, and continue to study this passage of Scripture, I see that this is something that Paul is staring at, eyes wide open. God, you want me to go where? You want me to do what? And it's because the actuality of missions here. When he continues to say, and a vision appeared, there stood a man of Macedonia. The reality of missions is the individual person. That is the reality of missions. 
Uh, We've misaligned scripture. We've misunderstood the heart of God. If we fail to equate missions with people, people of all colors, people of all social backgrounds, speaking different languages, participating in different cultures and customs. I'm talking about dirty people, mean people, working people, rich people, hurting people, corrupt people. People in foreign lands are dying without knowing that Jesus Christ can be their savior. There are people tonight in Yemen that need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are people right now in Nepal that need to hear that Jesus Christ will save their soul. In China, Sudan, Suriname, Angola, there are Muslims, Buddhists, Taoists, Jews, Sikhs, animists that need Jesus Christ. And we need to ask God to show us these people and go and serve them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. To see their faces. To hear their hurt. To know their needs. God, show us the ones with the tribal markings. Show us the ones with the square jaws or the almond eyes. Show us the various shades of skin. Let us hear their amazing languages. Help us to get over our differences and our misunderstandings to get us beyond ourselves that we no longer see only our desires and our goals and our kingdoms and our treasures. God, help us to see the others who are beyond here. I was in Nyahururu, Kenya, Africa, about three hours north of Nairobi. Very high altitude. In fact, it's where the marathon runners will train. Uh, most of the Boston Marathon and New York Marathon runners who have won it that are from Kenya go to Niharuru to travel and, and, they, and they train there. We were in a clinic one day and we were kind of out in the middle of nowhere. It was a, what's called an IDP camp, uh, internally displaced people group. Um, some people that had basically been taken from Nairobi all the way out in the countryside, led off and told to start life over again because the, the system was too full of people in Nairobi. That's a, that's a very terse uh, way to put it, but that's basically what had happened. As we're working that week, um, we had five young ladies that walked into our clinic. Now, this is a very common thing to get school kids that come into our clinic because there's Americans in town. They want to come over and see the Americans and they want to practice their English and they want to know what's going on and just see, uh, you know, all the, 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 the what the fuss is about. Why are all these people here? So these girls came walking into our clinic and they were wearing their school uniforms. It, it was a white button up shirt and a blue pleated skirt. Uh, all the girls had blue pleated skirts, kind of went down to their, their knees, except for one girl. Her skirt went all the way to the floor. When she walked into the clinic, she really had kind of a flat affect. She didn't really make eye contact. She just kind of stared at the floor the whole time. She was very quiet, reserved. The others were kind of excited to be there, and we're registering them, and we're going to let them go back and talk to the doctors. And, and that young lady, she goes and she sits with one of, the, of our team doctors, and the doctor said, so what brought you in here today? She didn't really say much. She just kind of kept looking at the floor and he said, well, how can I help you? What can I do for you? Very quietly, she began to just pull her skirt up a little bit. And as she pulled her skirt up, she revealed her ankle to the doctor. And immediately he knew what the problem was. She had what was called elephantiasis. It's basically where a parasite gets in your lymphatic system. And that parasite will, will climb further and further into the lymphatic system until it gets somewhere near one of your lymph nodes. It kind of anchors itself down next to the lymph node. And your body, trying to expel the parasite, produces more lymphatic fluid, uh, what causes swelling. And so the body is producing more lymphatic fluid over and over, trying to expel this parasite. But the parasite is anchored down. It's not leaving. And what happens is you get this grotesque uh, a swelling that takes place and, and the skin will grow just very, very large. And a lot of times it'll even fold over. And, and that's exactly what happened to this young lady. Her ankle was huge. It was swollen so badly. The skin looked like it would split. It was hanging over the, the sides of her ankle. And you could tell she was very sheepish about it. 
the doctor knew, man, if we were if we were near Nairobi, uh, we have access to the medicines. We would be able to treat this immediately, but we don't have it out here. We're out in the middle of the bush. We're out in the middle of nowhere. We have no access to this medication. He's kind of broken hearted to tell her that he can't treat her for this problem. But upon further examination, he sees on the backside of her ankle where she couldn't see. She had a really bad cut and it was severely infected. He knew we needed to do something about the infection. This was something that could cost her her leg if we didn't treat it. So he tells the young lady, listen, I, I can't do anything about the swelling, but we can do something to help you with the infection. Come with me. We're going to go to our, our treatment area of the clinic. They, they escorted this young lady over to our wound care treatment area. And inside that room was one of our, our students who was getting uh, going to nursing school as well as a nurse. And as soon as the young lady walked in, the nursing student jumped up and said, I want to help. What can I do? How can I help her? And the doctor said, hey, can you help me wash out this wound? It was covered in dirt. Uh, the roads were just dirty and, and the dirt was all inside. And like I said, it was infected. He said, we need to really clean this very good. And then we're going to put some medication in there. We're going to start on some uh, oral antibiotics and we'll wrap it up and bandage it up. Uh, the young lady from our team immediately drew some water and began to wash her foot, began to wash that whole infected area. As she's sitting there washing it, I happened to walk by about that time and I noticed that the patient was sitting there crying. Uh, I did not want her to be traumatized. These mean Americans, this pain was so bad and it hurt so bad and they just tortured me as they were clinging. So I, I stopped the nursing student. I grabbed the translator and I said, could you ask this young lady if this hurts too badly, we can stop. We can maybe give her something for the pain or or we can maybe give some type of, of anesthetic right here in this local area here. Could we do something like that to help her? The translator begins to ask her if it hurts too badly and. The young lady replies to him and then he starts talking back to her and they're going back and forth. And I'm sitting there going, well, this is a yes or no question. This is hurting too bad. What's going on? And all of a sudden the translator looks at me and now he's got tears in his eyes. He said, Bradley, she's not crying because it hurts at all. She's crying because nobody's ever touched her there before. She's crying. She just told me that her parents think she's demon possessed. And that's what's causing her body to swell and be so distorted. Uh, she told me that her friends think that she has some kind of communicable disease. And so nobody really wants to be good friends with her because they're afraid they'll catch what she has, too. And they'll look like she does. And I sat there trying my best to fight back tears at this point. Now, no, young lady, you were created in the image of God. You're beautiful just the way you are. And you know what? We're going to take as good a care as we can possibly to show you that you are loved, that that you are special. And as we treated her and as we took care of these issues that she had, I remember going and getting the pastor's wife and I asked Miss Phyllis uh, Warturi, I said, could you please uh, share with this young lady how much Jesus Christ loves her? And she took her under her arm and she walked to a side room and she spent, I don't know, it seemed like an hour and a half, two hours just sitting there praying with this young lady, listening to her and talking to her. And at the end of it, this young lady would put her faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That is what missions is all about. That if I have to travel to the other side of the world to reach that one girl, it's worth every single penny. It's worth every single hour on a plane. It's worth every situation that I could go through to get to them. That's what this is all about. But listen, this is not just for me. Uh, This is for the neighbor that's next door to you. 
This is just like I was telling you this morning. Those people who are hurting, uh, their, their, their scars and their pain might not be as visible as what I'm seeing in our patients, but they have it just the same. There are people who've been abused sexually and, and physically and mentally and emotionally by, by people that they thought cared for them and loved them. They've pushed them aside and they need you to come alongside them and reach them because they need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are people who are hurting just down the street because their finances are wrecked, their marriage is about to blow up, and they need someone like you to come to them and reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what missions is all about. Paul, please come to Macedonia. We want to hear the gospel. It's me, Paul. I need to hear the gospel. I want to see Jesus Christ do something in my life. There are people who want to hear the gospel. It's about the people. It's about the individuals. I love how he appeals to him. When I think about the appeal of missions, as he sits here and it says in this verse, and prayed him. We've got to realize that there is a call from God to go. But listen, there is a call from people asking us to come. Do you not understand that? There are people, if I could, I, I promise you, I'm telling you the truth this evening. You could go to my inbox and my emails and I could show you email after email after email of people begging us to bring teams over, knowing we're going to share the gospel, knowing that we're going to preach Christ. They still want us to come. I have messages from northern Iraq. I have them from Pakistan. I have them from every part of Kenya or excuse me, Africa. I have it from Asia all over. People want to hear the gospel message. There are people wanting churches to be planted. There are people who need someone like you to come and disciple them and share them deeper truths of God's word. They want us to come. They want to hear about Jesus Christ. We just need the people to go. All corners of the earth need to hear this gospel message. They're countless that want to hear. They want to know God, to know his peace, his assurance, his forgiveness. They want to know what happens after this life. They want to know what true love and joy is. They want to hear your testimony. They want to sing songs and hymns. They want to start a Bible study. They want to be discipled. They want to experience for themselves and for their families. They want to know our God. I was in uh, Cote d'Ivoire, West Africa. And I was there working with a missionary family and they told us, they said, Bradley, we've been praying for a specific village. We want to get into this village. But the chief there is very proud of the fact that their village has no church and he wants to keep it that way. But he heard we have a medical team coming and he wants a medical team really bad. I said, well, you got to tell him we don't go unless we get to go with the church people and share the gospel. Like that's the I, I, I'm not trying to be ugly, but that's if they want to have medical attention, then they can come here to this church if they don't want the church coming to them. We're willing to help. But that's my only requirement, because our vitamins and our atenolol and our antibiotics and all the different things that we're going to do for people, they're going to run out. I've got to introduce them to Jesus Christ, because that's what lasts for eternity. That's that's the prerequisite. They've got to let us come and share Christ. He talked with the chief over the phone and. Back and forth. And the chief said, OK, one day your church can come for one day and you can help our people and you can tell us about your God. But only for one day we got there. And I'm going to tell you what. It was a mess. There were so many people that showed up at this clinic. I mean, they were there were hundreds and hundreds of people. Uh, we're trying to set up and organize everything. And they're just overrunning us, asking us for help. And we're saying, hey, just give us a second. Let us set up. We're going to get this thing organized. We can see you faster that way. And so we did. We got to work. 
And I mean, it was a wonderful day. We're just working nonstop. Patients coming through the clinic, people needing glasses, people needing teeth pulled, people needing help with some of their issues. And we're helping them as fast as we can. We get to the end of the day and we're getting ready to leave on the bus. And the chief comes walking out and he says, one more day. All right, we'll come tomorrow. One more day. We showed up the next day. We were helping people. We're helping people. We're sharing the gospel. Helping people, sharing the gospel. We got done with the second day. By that time, we're wore out. We've been staying up there, sun up to sun down. It was a long drive out to this village. They were so far out. One more day. All right, one more day. He kept saying one more day until we told him, we got plane tickets today. We got to go. We can't come back. But you know what was beautiful about it? That village now has a Bible study going on with a church getting ready to be planted. Because the gospel changes. Gospel changes people. Gospel changes life. And they want us to come. They want to hear. They don't want another religion. They don't want another God to add to their shelf. They want and need the true God of the universe, the creator and sustainer, the king of kings, the Lord of lords. And while there may be a need for medicine, there may be a need for clean water. There may be a need for mosquito nets and education. They need the gospel. They want the truth. And we've got to go beyond and share it. But you have to understand that there is an appraisal of missions. Because whenever we look at this passage of Scripture here, he sees this man standing there praying for him to come over to Macedonia. And that's exactly what he says, saying, come over to Macedonia. Listen, this man asked Paul to come, but there was no promise of funding. No, when I read this passage of Scripture, there's no reimbursement plan. There's no contract of hours needed. There's no safety plan to come over. It was just simply come. We're beyond where you are right now. We want to hear. We want to be saved. And it's up to us to support those who will go. Listen, that's the reason why we have these missionaries that are here with us tonight, because they're willing to go over the edge for us. We can hold the rope for them, can't we? It's the least we can do. If I'm not the one that's going to be able to go, then I want to send someone who can go. I want to partner with you. I want to send you because that's exactly what this is about. It's going to cost money. It's going to cost time. It's going to cost lives. But listen, the price is too high to not send the gospel. I read a story about J. Hudson Taylor as he spoke of a journey to China in which he met and befriended a man whose English name was Peter. Each day uh, he would ask to speak to Taylor and Taylor would share the gospel with him. And Taylor was convinced that soon uh, he was going to see this young man trust Christ. Uh, as they neared the shore of a stopover along their journey, J. Hudson Taylor prepared to go ashore. And as he was in his berth, he suddenly heard the sound of splashing water and people running around the deck and shouting from the deck. Taylor ran up to the deck and quickly assessed that it was his friend Peter that had fallen overboard. A person shouted and pointed to the place where he had fallen overboard, and Taylor jumped in multiple attempts, diving down further and further each time. He tried to reach Peter, but he couldn't do it. Upon coming up out of the water and climbing back on the board, trying to see if he could see him at a distance, he noticed that it was a fishing vessel nearby. He began to yell at the men with their dragnets, come quickly and help us. The fishermen replied, we're too busy. A man is in danger. I'll pay you. How much? Three gold coins. Too little. We'll come for 30. I don't have that much, but I'll give you all that I have. Well, how much is that? I have 12 gold coins. The men came over and on their first pass with the net, pulled Peter into the boat. But it was too late. He was already dead. J. Hudson Taylor talks about how he was recounting that story in England to a group of people. 
And the indignation and the contempt that fell on their faces as they heard this. Their disgust with the greedy fishermen. The words that they mumbled under their breast until he finally asked them, but what of the millions that are dying right now that we are doing nothing about? That need to hear the gospel right now. The appraisal tonight is for you to search your heart. What part will you have in reaching them with the gospel of Jesus Christ? Because there is an advancement in missions. As he says, come and help us. The thought of being used of God to help others is absolutely humbling. I I cannot do the changing, but to think of being used for that purpose is absolutely incredible. To think of that young man at your high school being used of God, who may never know the impact that you've had in Ethiopia and what you can continue to have here in the D.C. area. It's humbling to think that that could be our testimony as well. Who knows what of the person that you could lead to Christ, knowing that if I go beyond, if I give beyond, if I I could be used to bring eternal help to others, what a blessing. Tonight, how far are you willing to go? Tonight, how much are you willing to give? Is it going to be the status quo? Is it going to be the same old, same old? Is it going to be no increased? Listen, with our hearts turned to Christ, tonight, let's tell Let's ask God to help us to go beyond, to do more, because there are those who need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our Heavenly Father, I I pray that you'll take this message, this very simple message from your word, to speak to our hearts. Millions lost and dying. There are genocides that are being taken that are taking place right now. I think of Ethiopia, war torn in need of help. I think of Syria, as we saw just the other night. Thousands upon thousands displaced, needing attention, needing care. Most importantly, needing the gospel. I think of Venezuela, the government just absolutely obliterated. And there are people in the streets hurting, dying. I think of other economies that are strong and thriving in Europe. People who have nice homes and nice cars but their heart is completely empty because they don't know you as their Savior. There are people tonight that are desperate. There are people tonight that are contemplating taking their life because they feel like they have nothing to live for because they don't know you as their Savior. And here we are in your house, knowing you, knowing your grace and knowing your mercy. Oh God, stir us to do something about it. Oh God, right now, Speak to our heart. Call someone out of our midst tonight. Someone right here in the pews that would stand up and say, Here, my Lord, send me, use me, take me. I'll go wherever. God, impress it on our hearts. Again, Lord, I know that we've talked about local missions, our our Jerusalem right here, and we know that there's plenty of folks right here in our community that need you. But God, help us to begin turning our attention further out, that we would leave our comfort zones That we would leave our security in our jobs, the security of our homes, the security of our our bank accounts, and find our security and our identity in Jesus Christ and the gospel message. And Lord, help us to be willing to go beyond, to reach others in foreign fields. Maybe it's a parent that needs to just give up their child to you. And if you call them, they'll send them, they'll support them. Maybe it's that husband, maybe it's that wife that needs to surrender and say, okay, I'll I'll go, I'll participate, I'll be a part. Lord, speak to our hearts tonight. 
do a work in us like we've never seen before. Use this church to have an incredible impact in global evangelization.